Welcome to CTC, and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. I'm Lynn Poindexter, and you're watching the 3 Before. The world we live in needs to hear now, more than ever, that God loves them. Our entire region is coming together for an exciting event to help spread that message. This Tuesday, May 2nd at 6.30 p.m., the Fair Hill Fairgrounds in Elkton will host the Franklin Graham God Loves You Tour. This free event will include a message of hope from Franklin Graham and music by the Newsboys and Marco Swit. To learn more, visit GodLovesYouTour.com. We do a few large-scale events each year that are designed to help us live out our mission to show the love of Jesus to everyone in our community. Our Father's Day car show is one of those. On Sunday, June 18th from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m., we will once again be inviting the community to join us for a day of classic cars, music, food, and fun for all ages. This event is free to attend, and if you have a car you would like to show, we're suggesting a $20 donation. There will be prizes in several different categories, so come on out on Father's Day and invite someone to come with you. You can find out more at ctcde.church. With summer coming, our kids' ministry is getting ready for this year's Vacation Bible School, June 26th to 30th, from 5 to 7.30 p.m. at the Bear Campus. Please note that this is a change in our schedule over other years. During this one-week nightly VBS, we will learn about Daniel, who was torn from his home and forced into the king's service. We will experience a little of what it may have been like to live during Daniel's life. Each night there will be dinner, crafts, and much more. Kids and parents are welcome to attend. 
To learn more, contact April Loper Brown at aloper at ctcde.church. Thanks for being here today. You can find more information about all of our events by going to ctcde.church. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. As we worship together today, our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God than ever. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. Now, let's get ready to worship. church are you ready to worship today scripture says i was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the lord would you stand with us this morning we welcome you if you're worshiping with us online we thank you for joining with us today we're going to start out the service this morning by making a declaration that no matter what happens in our lives we will give praise and honor and glory to the one who deserves it amen I count on one thing, the same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, and yes, I
God, we give you praise today. No matter what happens in our lives, you are there. And so, God, we give praise to you today because you are worthy of glory and honor. You have created all things. And for your pleasure, the book of Revelation says, for your pleasure, they are and were created. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be here with us as we do every time we meet. To be here with us to meet our needs, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to challenge us, and to move us to a point of change this morning, God. We thank you for those who are in house with us. We thank you for those who are worshiping online with us. God, we pray that your spirit would fill the room wherever we are. And let us sense your presence today moving among us in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, again, we do want to welcome you to Christ the Cornerstone. Thank you for being here with us. If you are new uh, here today, if you've never been here or you've only been here a few times, we want to extend a special welcome uh, to you. Uh, And if you are new, uh, when you leave the room this morning and you go out into the mall, uh, there's a room on the left that we call Connect Central. And uh, you can stop in there and find out about any and all of the ministries that we have happening here at uh, Christ the Cornerstone at both of our campuses. We have a campus here, and then we have a campus at Ellesmere. And then, of course, those of you that are watching, watching online, you're part of our online campus. And uh, we just we love all of these folks. And so uh, stop by Connect Central and uh, pick up some information about that. You can also fill out a Connect card there, or you can fill it out at your table. Pick up a free gift there at Connect Central and uh, meet some folks from the church. So stop by there if you are new. Also, right there at your table is a Connect card that we ask you to fill out whenever you worship with us. It lets us know that you're here and lets us know who's worshiping with you. So if you would give us that information. And uh, again, if you're new, uh, just give us the basic information that you'll trust us with. And and, uh, we promise not to misuse that information. If you're online and you're new, there's a button that you can click that says I'm new. Or you can click the button that just popped up in the chat window uh, right there uh, where you are. So also on that uh, Connect card, whether you're online or in the house, uh, you can give us your prayer requests or praise reports. And uh, as we say on a regular basis every week, that we have people that meet throughout the week on, on different days at different times to pray over these needs so they don't just get written on a card and shoved in a drawer Uh, Prayer is very important to us as a church and as a staff. And uh, so let us know what you need from God or what you're rejoicing uh, with about him uh, this morning. And so that we can rejoice with you or pray with you. God bless you. Here and uh, Carolyn and I had a wonderful time on our our vacation to England. But we're always glad to be back and uh, to be with you. One of the things I missed uh, being here, you know, in our in our space here, we're kind of spread out. Of course, COVID pushed us uh, away from each other. But where we worshipped uh, with Stephen and Debbie Scholes at their church in England, they were back to pre-COVID spacing, which which is right next to each other. And 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 I like the the freedom that we've got here. We've got a little more room. When I was worshiping, raising my hands, I felt like I was going to bump somebody. So I felt very confined to to worship God in in that way. Anyway. It's good to be back, and we had a great, a great time. You know, we are, we are the body of Christ, and as the body of Christ, we share one another's uh, joys and burdens. And I just want to share with you this morning a, a couple of families who have 
who have lost loved ones uh, as part of our church. And uh, about a month ago or so, uh, Butch Dempsey passed away. His wife, Claudia, is, part of, is still obviously part of our church. And if you know them, please reach out to them. And this past, uh, this past week, Bill Risley passed away. And uh, his wife, Carol, uh, is obviously part of our church. And, and look for those, the, the services for Bill to be coming up. Hold these families in prayer. We have a wonderful ministry for, of people who are going through grief, uh, led by uh, Pastor Vaughn and Linda and Gwen, and uh, it's, it's just a, a great ministry to do. We are the body of Christ, and I and, uh, wanted you to know about these things. And, and, of course, we still love and serve and engage. This is our strategy. This is our plan. This is what we do, and it's how we do it. And I encourage you to, to first of all, you've got to have that relationship with God through which you experience God's love for you personally. Um, and then we love one another. We show God's love in so many ways. We serve. God has given us gifts and abilities, uh, talents, interests, that he wants us to use. God has purposefully given them to each one of us. These are the ways that God is asking us to serve him. So explore them, strengthen them, use them for the glory of God. And we want to encourage you to do that in ways, giving you opportunity to do it, as well as learning what are those abilities that you have. So figure out how to do that among us. And finally, we engage. We engage the world with this message of Jesus Christ and uh, telling them. And you are the ones who have the task to do that. And uh, we, we, it's not my job alone. It is my job. <laughs> it's not my job alone. But God has gifted you to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ according to your personality, according to the people that he sends you to. And so we encourage you to do that. And we'll help you figure out ways to do that. Love serve and engage. Um, we also want to be faithful with the gifts, with what God has given to us. And here's a scripture that encourages us how to use uh, our financial resources that God gives to us. Let's read this verse together. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray as we can. I invite you to stand again as we, as we continue to worship God this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you call us together this morning. You, and, and we have responded. We've, we've decided to come into this place. But now as we focus on who you are by listening to the music, by participating in the music, by singing these songs and, and reflecting on the message in these songs, God, they are truths about who you are, what you have done, and what you're calling us to do. So come and be present with us as we lift you up this morning. Scripture says, God, that when we praise the Lord, when we lift up the name of Jesus, you will bring all people unto yourself. We know what your goal for this world is, God, and we pray for it, and we give ourselves to you. So come, Holy Spirit, be with us in these moments. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, men on the ground, no matter where I go. 
to trust in you, Jesus. Oh, how sweet, how sweet it is to trust in you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on and give him praise today. Lord, we thank you for what you provide for us. Lord, at every turn, no matter where we look, we see your hand of provision in our lives. And it's easy for us to look past it when all we see are our circumstances. So God, today, help us to see beyond those circumstances and help us to see, Lord, what you are doing in our lives. More than that, help us to trust what you're doing that we cannot see. Because there's so many more things that you're doing that we cannot see than things that you're doing that we can see. And so, Lord, help us to trust today. If you've been around the church for any length of time in your life, you've heard somebody say this quote before. The promises of God are yes and amen, right? Maybe if you grew up on King James English, maybe they said yay and amen. But the promises of God are yes and amen. So in preparation for doing this song that we're about to uh, learn together this morning, I just did a little bit of background on that scripture. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, no matter, it's in the NIV, it says, no matter how many promises God makes, all of them are yes in Christ. Jesus came to die so that we could receive the promises of God. And the amen is a faith response that comes from us back to God. So the promises of God are yes and amen. That's a two-part deal that requires us to be 100% in agreement with what God says about us. And in order to do that, we have to accept what he says about us, who he says we are. Dearly loved children. We are redeemed by him today. And so we can, with confidence, because of Christ... We can agree with God on his promises, and the yes can be returned with an amen from us time and time again. Lord, help our faith to be built to that point today and every day. Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. You brought me out of darkness. You have filled me with peace. Giver of mercy, you're my help in time of need. Lord, I can't help but see. Faithful you are. Faithful forever you will be. Faithful. 
he's a man of his word. We can trust him. And that's how we can rest today. Let's sing this together. I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faith. That's all there is. Let's declare it. And I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. And I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. We sing faithful. You turn to you the amen because we have faith in you and we trust you because you're the king and you are the lord of all there is no one higher than you no one greater than you in the darkness we were waiting without hope without light Till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word. From a throne of endless glory, to a cradle in the dirt.
kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation. You did not despise the cross, for even in your suffering, you sought to the other side, knowing this was our salvation. Jesus, for our sake, you died. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Praise the Spirit. Three in one. God. praise forever to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I have to be honest with you, as as many times as I've sung that song, it's hard for me to make it through it emotionally because this is our story. It's a story of how God came to get us. How He came to rescue us. Because we couldn't do it on our own. Right? And when we get to that part, it says, the morning that you rose... All of heaven held its breath. Till that stone was moved for good. Why? Because the work was done. It was finished. It was completed for us. He is our King and He is our Lord. God, we worship You. We thank You for Your Son, Jesus, for all that He purchased for us. And we worship You in Jesus' name. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Father. 
Praise the Spirit. Three in one. Let me invite the children if you come forward and we'll, we'll offer a blessing to the children as we dismiss them. And uh, come on down here with Miss April. And uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all these young ones and we thank you for the for the, we praise you, Father, for creating us all, and we ask your blessing to be upon these. May they hear this story that we have just sung, and may it sink deep within their hearts, within their minds, within their souls. Bless them, Jesus. Cause them to grow strong and healthy in favor with you and all people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, April. God bless you, children. Again, so glad to see you, and I'm so glad to see you. And as the dims are, or the, the lights, I can't talk. As the lights are dim, I can see who's here, and it's great to see all of you here uh, this morning. How many times have you caught yourself looking for your eyeglasses or your sunglasses only to find them where? Sitting right on top of your head. Probably too many times than any of us would want to admit. Sometimes the thing that we need the most is right there in our grasp. We can say that that is true of Jesus. That is true of God. We need Him most in our lives. And He is always right here. Maybe we don't realize uh, that what we need is there. Maybe we see it, but we don't know how to use it. Or even worse, maybe we know that that's exactly what we need, but we choose not to participate, not to access it, not to take it. Here's another example. Up here in the front, I have a little table and a pitcher of water. And this pitcher sits on my desk all week long. Every day that I'm at my desk, I'm encouraging myself to keep drinking water. We need to stay hydrated. When we don't get the water we need, when we don't get the nourishment we need, we can't do what God wants us to do. We can't live the life that God created us to live. The water's right there. Drink it. (laughs) You know the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Well, kind of on that theme. Back in Haiti, 2018, We sent our young people to Haiti. I went with them. Daniel went with them. Three other adults were were with us. And I made the mistake as soon as we got to Haiti. I had to shave. And I I couldn't go the week without shaving. But I made the mistake of using the local water to shave. I knew not to drink the water. But I didn't think that my skin, and well, I don't know why I didn't think this, but that actually taking a sharp blade and scraping it across my skin might just open some possibilities for bacteria to get into my body. <laughs> I didn't think about that. And then, and then I had to, of course, you know, you splash a little bit to, to get the shaving cream off or, or whatever you do. So I was about two days into Haiti, and I began to have stomach problems. And I won't describe anything more except to say that I didn't feel good. I became very weak. 
And I knew that I needed to keep putting fluid in. And I'm grateful to all the moms who loaded up our team with sports drink powders and those little tablets that have the nutrients in it that you need. Because I was afraid that I was going to take all of them for myself and then the teenagers who were with us would suffer because I needed all this stuff. But anyway, I was, we had enough. We had plenty. I was doing those things kept me stable, but I was still very weak for that entire week. And it surprised me how much water I could consume in a day. It was just going right through me. My appetite was fine. The food was great and plentiful, but it just didn't stay in my body long enough for my body to grab the nutrients out of the food. Carolyn says that's almost TMI. I couldn't work for longer than five minutes. One of the, when, we were, when we found ourselves stuck there for four extra days because of riots in, in the country, we couldn't get out. We couldn't, we, literally, we could not drive to the airport because the road was blocked in multiple places with bonfires and tire, bonfires made of old tires. So we, we were stuck there. And uh, during all that time, I said, well, we've got to have something else to do. So there was a ditch the, 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 the missionary that we were helping, well, a fence that he wanted to put up. So I thought, okay, as long as we're here, let's dig, let's, let's dig for this foundation for this fence. Man, I, I would swing that axe or push that shovel in there about five minutes, and I was done. And I had to go sit on my bunk and drink another quart of water. <laughs> and uh, while I was resting on my bunk, I had, had my phone. We only had use of our phone well, we, could, we only had electricity for three hours in the evening, but when, when my phone was still charged, I would, I would be calling Carolyn, trying to make flight arrangements to get these 20 people out of Haiti uh, as much as we could. So I was making the best use of the time as I could, but it was a problem because I was sick. Now, relating that experience to our life in Christ, when I was in Haiti, I needed to put water in my body in order to live, but my sickness prevented the water from sustaining my life. That's the power that sin has in our lives. Sin is a sickness that keeps us from experiencing the life that God has for us. Certainly we can survive Certainly on the outside, we can live life so that it looks like to everybody else, life is grand. But on the inside, our souls, which were created to live forever, are slowly dying away. Forever. Jesus, because of His death and His resurrection, not just His death, but He had to rise Again, He is the source of something that will give and sustain life. We were created to live an abundant and joyful life. That is your purpose. That is why God created you, just because God wanted you. (laughs) And you know that there is nobody on this entire planet like you. What an amazing thing that is. God wants you. Nobody else like you. God wants you to have a joyful and abundant life, but all of us sin. And that sin is the disease 
that leads us all to death. We need a remedy. And Jesus died on the cross and rose again in order that we may have new life that lasts forever. Paul, in writing to the Colossian church, powerfully urges them to live the life that they were raised to live. That's what this series is about. Raised to live. The emphasis is on living. We're not raised to just survive. We're not raised to just be a blob sitting there, a bump on a log, as my grandmother would say. We're raised to live, and every moment of every person's life has value and purpose. And Jesus calls us to live in that value and live out that purpose that He has for us. The series Raised to Live is more than just an individual experience. It's not just about you. Jesus died so that every person in God's entire creation may have everlasting life. How do I know that? Because God so loved the world. Because God so loved who? (laughs) The world. (laughs) God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that whoever, not the one with this skin, Not the one that talks like this. Not the one who looks like that. Not the one who has that job. Not the one who has that money. Not the one who has that education. Not the one who's over there. But all people. So that whoever believes in Him shall not die. If you know the English language, this word shall is significant. We don't use the word shall in our English lang- in, in our American English very much. It sounds too formal. It sounds too stuffy. But it's the right word. Because there is no varying from the word shall. Somebody says to you, you shall do this. It's a command. And you know. And God is saying, those who believe in Him shall not die, but have everlasting life. New life is not just to raise you as an individual. This new life is not just for you. It's for a community. God is not only resurrecting individuals. God is resurrecting a community of followers of Jesus. God is resurrecting a community of His people, the whole world. This is good news to us. A society, a congregation, a family, a world of God's children being raised to life. And God is recreating that in our world. And if we don't expect to see that in this life, we're missing what God has for us, plural. So I want you to know that you are not alone You are part of a community. You were never created to be alone. Living as a creature totally independent from all other creatures was never part of God's plan for you or for humanity. We're created to be together into a new community. 
this entire chapter from the book of Colossians that we're looking at throughout this series, chapter 3, is about life, everlasting life, living the life that God created us individually and in community. And as we, as we explore these things, you're going to see he's not talking about individual life. He's talking about the life of a community that requires the cooperation of the individual to experience. But it's about our community. Pastor Bill talked two weeks ago about putting to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. If you are part of the community of Christ, he says, put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. What a powerful word that is. You think of that that, that word lurking, I don't know it's there. But we know it's there. It's lurking. It's seeking to devour. It's seeking to overcome. It's seeking to come out, to do something negative in our life, to destroy our life is what that sin does. It is that sickness, as I said earlier. Last week, Daniel spoke about, about the reality and the truths of God's wrath. Why, is God, why do we have to experience God's wrath? Because God is a jealous God. And He created you in order for you to experience God's love. But because of the sickness of sin, that sickness, that evil is taking you away from God. And that makes God angry. And it ought to. We had to put our dog down back in October, I think September. And we watched the sickness take away His life. And it makes us angry. Why? Because we care about life. Be glad for God's anger in your life because it proves to you that God cares about you. If God didn't care about you, He wouldn't chastise you. Wow. Thank you, Daniel, for pulling that out to us. And now, those are Pastor Bill. I gave Pastor Bill and, 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 and Daniel difficult messages to preach on and I was glad (laughs) that I didn't have to bring that bad news put to death sin and Daniel God's anger is coming and then I get to shift to the positive how smart I am and now we shift from the negative to the positive if we are to die to sin what does new life look like If we're not living a life that leads to death, what are we living? That's the positive. If God's anger moves us to trust His love, and if Jesus' death on the cross breaks the power of sin, what does it free us up to do? We've got to go there. We can't just be free. What what prisoner gets free from prison and sits out on the sidewalk for the rest of his life? None. So why would you be free from your sin and not go toward the life that God meant for you to live? Paul speaks in general statements. And the the, the main statement in this entire chapter, the general statement is, you have been raised to new life with Christ. That's the general statement. What does that mean the rest of the chapter is about? You've been raised to new life with Christ. General, And then he moves to specific details about what that new life 
looks like. So we're going to look just at two verses today. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. What is it? Here's, uh, it took me a long time to set this up. What does that new life look like? And look at what verse 9 begins with. Don't lie to each other. And right away you can see Paul is talking about community. Don't lie to each other. The new life in Christ is a life of honesty. It's a life of openness. It's a life of vulnerability. It's a life of uh, 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 of being honest with one another. Don't lie to one another. Because you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Now there's the, there's, there's the positive side of what Daniel and, and Bill have preached the last two weeks. You have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. You've taken it off. The moment you say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I believe you. We just sang about that. And don't let those words come out your mouth without meaning them. Because if you do, you're lying to God. Because we're in a community with God. Because you have stripped off. And then verse 10 says, So therefore put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. This word, these words, stripped off and put on are opposites of the same word. We have the word, for example, comfort. Come in and experience some comfort. (laughs) Then sometimes we come in and we experience discomfort. So all we've done, we've taken the same word comfort and we've put a prefix in front of it that makes the root word the opposite. That's what Paul has done here in the Greek language in, in this passage. There's the root word that means strip off. You change the prefix on it, it means put on. Very easy to look at it like, like, like clothing. If I take off these clothes, I'm naked, I better put something on. Don't imagine that. Unity. We want unity in our families. But when trouble comes, there's disunity. So you understand what Paul is doing here with the language. You've taken it off one thing, you've got to put on another thing. He says, put on your new nature and be renewed. This stripping off has the strong sense to fully put it off with no possible return to the old state. Now, as our children grow up, our children have to learn what death is about, physical death. I was trying to find maybe some funny videos about that, and I saw one on, one on TikTok of a, of a pastor dad who was having a funeral for the fish who died. And, of course, it was an African-American style pastor. And so he was walking through the house carrying the, 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 the fish in the bowl. And as he was walking along, he was repeating verses like, 
Uh, what do they say, Gwen? <laughs> yea, though I whatever, the Lord is my shepherd. And so he's, he's leading his family through this process to recognize this fish is dead. You cannot restore life to it. I'm remembering one of our parsonages in northeastern Pennsylvania uh, when we were living there. You know, it's a strange thing to, to, in the United Methodist Church, we pastors are appointed to certain places, and we know that, that another, one of our colleagues has just moved out and we've moved in, and, and so you're, you're living where, where your friends and where your colleagues have lived, and it's, it takes a little getting used to, <laughs> living in one another's homes. That way, but in the garage of this one particular parsonage, on the back wall, they had put up some cardboard, and probably for the previous fifty years at least, there was a long list of pets who had been buried in the yard: <laughs> a, a, a dog, a cat, a rabbit, a, a rat, a fish, whatever. <laughs> Death is a reality. New life is also a reality. And so when we put off the old sinful nature, we need to remember that it is gone. Don't go back to it. Because it will only lead you once again to death. Put on the new nature. This put on means is the total opposite of strip off. And if the stripping off is an eternal thing, then the putting on is also an eternal thing. It's in the sense to be imparted, to be clothed, to be or to become bestowed or endowed with the quality or condition. All over England as we were there, it was so very obvious to me and Carolyn that they were approaching the date of the king's coronation. There were all kinds of trinkets and, and shirts and, and mugs and t- tins of tea and tins of candy that had the king's image on it, and, and coronation celebration, and even the churches, uh, uh, the church that we attended, that, that Stephen and Debbie attend, they're having a coronation party in the, in the church for it. It's a big thing. King Charles will be bestowed into that position. We, we, we traveled up to Scotland, to Edinburgh, the, the, the castle in Edinburgh is a, is a huge, huge castle and it holds the, the Scottish jewels. And there's a crown there and, and, and a scepter and this thing. And then there's this great big stone that has been used as a symbol of, of the coronation for every king or queen since the 12th or 13th century. And at one time it, had got, it was stolen from Scotland by the English and it was kept in West... Is that the right word? The big... The, oh no. <laughs> Westminster Abbey. Thank you. You can tell I'm not British. <laughs> tell them I'm one of those Yankees that rebelled. That stone had been used for that and eventually... 
several years ago, maybe 30 or 40 years ago, they moved it back to Scotland just to store it there. But we, we noticed, Carolyn and I walked around that stone when we were touring that castle, and we saw, uh, saw just yesterday that that stone had been removed back to Westminster Abbey so that it could be used again for the coronation. He is being bestowed with the power, with the position, with the identity as a king. This is what, and, and, and you'll, you'll see if you watch it, the clothing that he puts on, all of it to symbolize what is happening within him. To them, this is a very spiritual thing. And then he is anointed with oil, oil that has been, that has been prepared in Jerusalem for the king. It has been prayed over. Now, we don't understand this as Americans. I get that. But the symbolism of it is extremely powerful to us. Putting on... To be clothed, he will die as the king of England. It is eternal for him. And this this word to put on is understood as being wrapped in a covering. And when I when I read that, I think of swaddling children. And and you can see you can see. Uh, I just saw it the other day a, a, a video of of some kind of swaddling outfit where this baby's screaming like crazy, and the mother takes this stuff and tightly wraps the child in it, and immediately the child stops screaming. That's where God wants you to be, wrapped in His love. Wrapped in his power forever. Whatever you go through, let him wrap himself around you. Put on the new flesh of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 5, 17, 5, 16 and 17 says, So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. In other words, we can't just look at others from a human point of view. There's something more here. And it says at one time, we thought of Christ only... From a human point of view, is if you watch the chosen show, you're watching his disciples view Jesus from a human point of view, and they don't understand how he has the power to do what he's able to do. It's because they're looking at him from a, hum, a human point of view. So Paul writes, one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. You can know the power of the divine God here, now, and forever. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. The new has begun. Let's go back to our Colossians text. It says, Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you become like Him. This word, be renewed, is passive, which means we can't do it to ourselves. It must be done to us. This renewal. We die. We have to let go. We have to take off. But putting it on and being renewed is an act of God in our lives. And only He has the power to do that. It's passive. But the renewal is not, it's not a self-renewal. It's accomplished upon us rather than by us as believers. And this word in, in this verse gives us the nuance that through our inner renewal, Christ's Christians, Christians are freed from their old being and they are freed for their new life. So that we learn to know God and become like Him. 
We're familiar with the word icon. All of our all of our tablets, all of our phones, all of our computers have icons on them. They're images that reflect what that button, if you want to call it, is to do. And this word in the Greek, to become like him, is literally the word, really the word, icon. That's how you say it in the Greek language. <laughs> icon. To become like him. He's called us to be the image of God. He created humanity in the image of God. And that's what Jesus is restoring us to become. In his book, The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis tells uh, about a busload of people who are on their way to hell. But the bus, on its way to hell, makes a detour and travels through heaven. Well, that doesn't sound very nice. <laughs> and the bus will make stops in heaven and give these, give these ghosts an opportunity to see what they're not going to experience for eternity. There's a thought. And, and in heaven, these hell-bound people appear as uh, thin and almost ghost-like in contrast to the robust atmosphere of heaven, so much so that when they get off the bus and step on the grass, the grass is so substantial in heaven that it pierces the feet of the ghosts. Some of them get back on the bus. I can't handle heaven. But other them decide we're going to walk on those paved streets of gold <laughs> instead of the grass. One ghost who is plagued by a talkative red lizard on his shoulder. That lizard represents the power of sin and lust in his life. Sitting on his shoulder, that ghost ventures out into the plains of heaven and he encounters an angel. Now, Lewis, C.S. Lewis describes their meeting, which becomes a parable of God's invitation to break the power of sin in our life and to transform it into some, something for God's glory. And this is how C.S. Lewis describes that encounter. A mighty angel approached the man and asked, Would you like me to make that lizard on your shoulder quiet? The ghost replied, Of course I would. The angel said, Then I will kill him. And he took a step forward. The ghost said, Ah, oh, look out! You're burning me! Keep away! The angel said, don't you want me to kill him? Well, you didn't say anything about killing him at first. I mean, I hardly meant to bother you with anything so drastic as that. I just thought you were going to silence him. Well, killing it is the only way, said the angel. Shall I kill it? Now, now, now wait a minute, look. See, it's gone to sleep of its own accord, and I'm sure it'll be all right now. Thank you ever so much for offering to silence him. The angel persisted a little more intently. May I kill it? Oh, honestly, said the ghost, I don't think there's the slightest necessity for that. I'm sure I'll be able to keep it under control now. How many times have we said that about our sins? The ghost says, some other day perhaps. The angel persisted, there is no other day. And the angel reached forward again, and the man replied, Get back! You're burning me! How can I tell you to kill it? 
You'd kill me if you kill it. Oh, that's not true, said the angel. Well, why isn't it true? You're hurting me now. The angel said, oh, I never said I wouldn't hurt you. I did say I wouldn't kill you. Suddenly, the lizard began chattering aloud. Be careful, it said. What's a lizard sound like? I don't know. Be careful, it said. He can do what he says. He can kill me. One fatal word from you and he will. And then you'll be without me forever and ever. Oh, I'll be good. I admit that I've gone too far sometimes in the past, but I promise I won't do it again. Do I have your permission, said the angel to the ghost. Oh, you're right. It would be better to be dead than be alive with this creature, said the ghost. Then may I kill it? Again, said the angel. Oh, blast you. Can't Go on, can't you? Get it over, bellowed the ghost. But he ended whimpering, God, help me. God, help me. The next moment, the ghost gave a scream of agony such as I never heard. The burning one closed his crimson, crimson grip on the reptile, twisted it while it bit and writhed, and then he flung it, broken-backed, on the turf. And I saw unmistakably solid, but growing ever, every moment solider. The ghost materialized into a man not much smaller than the angel. And at that same moment, something seemed to be happening to the lizard. And at first I thought the operation had failed. So far from dying, the creature was still struggling and even growing bigger as it struggled. And as it grew, it changed. Suddenly I stared back, rubbing my eyes. And what stood before me was the greatest stallion I had ever seen. Silvery white, but with the mane and a tail of gold. The man, now free from his torment, climbed onto the stallion that had been his sin and rode into the glowing the glowing sunrise toward the Savior. Don't lie to each other because you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator, know God, and become like Him. As you heard that description in the book, The Great Divorce, perhaps some other images came to mind. And story of the Disney story of Beauty and the Beast comes to my mind in that moment when that beast is transformed. Powerful image. But the truth is, it's not a fairy tale. Jesus transforms our lives. Will you let him transform yours? Is there something in your life today that you know you've been struggling with, a sin that has been, that has been weakening your life? Confess it to God. And say, Jesus, I need you. I take this off. And maybe you need to come here. Maybe you need to literally imagine that thing in your hands and you just place it here on the platform as a sign. Jesus, I'm taking this off. You take it. I can't give me the new life. Lift your hands to receive, as a sign to receive that new life. I invite you to do that as we pray this morning.
course, you can do it at home. You can do it at your table as you stand. You can do it wherever you are. Just receive the new life. Take off the old and live in the new. Let's stand together as we sing and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your truth. Even thank you, God, for your anger. Thank you, God, for confronting us with the the reality that sin leads to death. And Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for us. We've sung about it. We've read about it. Now we're thinking about it. Father, help us commit ourselves to put on this new life. Let us be renewed by the presence of your Spirit in us. We can't do it ourselves. So come and do it for us. As we pray this morning, God, speak to us and help us respond to you with faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor said the word a little bit ago in his message, and that word is mercy. God did not give us what we deserved. He gave us His grace so that we could put on the the new and put off the old. I'm living proof of what the mercy of God can do. If you do me then You believe me now, He turned my whole life upside down. He took the old and He made it new. That's just what the mercy of God can do. The goodness and mercy and the power of i 
based on what I've done, but the goodness and mercy and the power of
power that's in the precious blood of Jesus and the mercy that came from Him gives us the ability to put off the old and put on the new with confidence because of who we are. We go through life and we go through the motions sometimes because we don't think we deserve God's mercy and God's grace. Guess what? You're exactly right. We don't. But He's made us worthy because He gave it to us. When you give gifts to your children or to friends or to family members, you don't give those gifts because they deserve it. You give it because you love them. And God has given us the ability to put off the old and put on the new because of what Jesus did for us. So as you continue to consider that, we think about leaving today. If you still need prayer, there are folks at the prayer stations. The altar area is open for you to come and pray. If you're worshiping online with us, there are still some folks that will be around for several more minutes to, to pray with you. Don't leave today if you need to pray with someone or if you need someone to agree with you in prayer. God, we just pray your, your blessing and your Holy Spirit would rest on us in this week. Give us the opportunity to see over and over and over again your mercy and your grace at work in our lives. To put off the old life and put on the new so that we can truly live and not just exist. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.